Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 9, coming to you today from Colorado Springs, home of the Colorado Springs Regional Airport. So put your tray table up, buckle your seatbelt, make sure your seat is upright. The Equipping You podcast plane (laughs) is about to take off. Oxygen masks may drop (laughs) from your ceiling. I'm Terry, and I'm the Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. You are taking my breath away, (laughs) and I am Alan, and for... Reasons that will be made known. I'm just Alan. Just all Alan. right. All right. You're more than just Alan. He just Jess. saved us three minutes on this podcast <laughs> by not telling us all of the positions he serves. <laughs> we really appreciate you, though, Alan. Hey, we're going to talk to uh, Chris Haruska today from yes. uh, City Light Omaha and beyond. And uh, this is a multiplying network of churches. Really amazing what's happening there, Alan. Sure is. I'm looking forward to this conversation big time. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump right into the interview with Chris. So uh, grab some uh, airline pretzels and a glass of ginger ale. Sit back, relax. Here we go. And we're pleased to welcome to Equipping You podcast, Chris Haruska one of the lead pastors at City Light in uh, Omaha. Chris, great to have you on. Thanks, Terry. Great to be here. Good deal, man. So uh, you guys are planting a few churches out there in, in uh, Omaha and the surrounding area. I think uh, 10, if my count is right, in about uh, seven years. So that's exciting stuff. So give us an idea of how the dream of City Light got started. Yeah, man, it has been a wave of God's grace over these last couple of years, as you said, and um, not just a fun story of one church growing, but man, just to see churches getting planted, uh, it's awesome. So the dream started, really, uh, Gavin and I, the other co-lead pastor here, uh, teamed up, and we were both doing college ministry. So he was at an awesome church in Omaha, Christ Community Church, part of the CMA family, yep. and uh, I was down uh, 60 miles at uh, kind of University Center in Nebraska, and uh, we're both doing college ministry. So he's here doing it inside of the local church. I was down there doing it kind of in the parachurch world. And uh, both just kind of cut our teeth in student ministry. So you guys you guys get it. You're preaching yep. your first sermons to college kids, discipleship. You're raising up leaders. You're sending them out as they graduate to be disciple makers. And what we saw in the college ministry was, wow, we've got to reach them as freshmen. We've got to build them up. And then we've got to send them out. And there's really like you've got to have a constant pursuit of the freshmen and a constant leadership development pipeline. And then you're constantly you cannot get comfortable with your existing leaders because if you miss a class or you miss a couple classes, like doesn't matter how big your ministry is, you will not have a ministry in a couple of years if you don't keep reproducing disciples. So that discipleship DNA was getting in our blood. And we just kept reading our Bibles thinking, um, and what if there was a church that, you know, gathered on Sunday morning to preach God's Word, talk people about Jesus, not just on, like, Eastern Smith, but also, like, released these people 
uh, release the church to be the church in different neighborhoods and networks all throughout the week. And uh, so that we started getting, kind of started hanging out. We were friends uh, for literally five, six years doing college ministry, and we were coaching each other up, calling each other. And during that season, we didn't realize it, but God was crystallizing our um, kind of ministry philosophy and our theology during that season. And we were kind of bouncing ideas off each other. So sure enough, he's 29. I think I'm 28. We sit down at a Jimmy John's and we start saying, okay, what's the Lord got for us next? Uh, at that point, you know, you don't want to play dodgeball with college kids until you're like 47. And so uh, basically he just said, listen, man, what if we planted a church? Uh, and what if, you know, it didn't just meet in the heart of the city, but worked for the good of the city? What if it gathered on Sundays, but also, you know, we, we, we like called people to live on missions in the places they work and work and play started to crystallize this thing. And then at the end of the conversation was like, look, look, like, what if, what if that church was like planted by us? Like, what if we actually quit our jobs and planted this church? So it started coming over one random lunch, man, this idea was birthed and then, we both prayed about it, came back, talked to our wives, and we're like, we're all in. And it's been fun. Like, that was the start of the conversation. And I think what crystallized our hearts is what if there was a church that, just like in that college ministry that I mentioned, like, one of the great things about college ministry is that rapid reproduction of disciples, because you realize you don't have them more than four years. Right. And what if, at a local church level, church planting acted as that release? That was like kind of like your graduation. So you're constantly sending people out yeah. and wow, constantly yeah. having to get after more people. Um, so your elders today might not be elders in five years. Your small group leaders today might not be your small group leaders in five years because they're literally leaving uh, to go start new autonomous churches. I thought, man, what if, if we could do that, the church would be a movement and not just a monument. Yeah. And it, it would force us to depend on God, force us to pray force us to, to really get serious about evangelism and mission. And so that, you know, our, our mission statement is to multiply disciples in churches. So our scorecard from the beginning was, let's get some people meeting Jesus and growing in the relationship with Jesus. And let's make sure that we're actually sending our best away from the very beginning so that the, the mission of God can continue uh, beyond our walls. So that was the scorecard. And that was the dream It happened in 2012. And, um, you know, from there, you know, some, some next steps happen, but yeah, that, that was the dream. Well, I got to tell you, I, uh, that scorecard thing makes all the difference. I planted my, uh, first church. Well, we'll say it, it was a while ago. And honestly, <laughs> when I planted it, basically the word was, Hey, plant a church. And if it survives, you win. No one at all was talking right. about multiplying or anything. And, uh, I would say that's, it's not really my biggest regret because I didn't, nobody mentioned that to me. But it's still, I like, man, yeah. if that was one thing I would do over when I planted, I would say from the very beginning, we're going to just have sending momentum and say, we're going to keep sending yes. people out because, you know, we're not just called to get a blessing. We're called to have it go through us and bless others. So so that sounds mm -hmm. like uh, we're touching on some core values of uh, City Light. So why don't you uh, say some of that for us? What is the, some of the core values yeah. that drive City Light? Yep. Yeah, I'll just run through it. So we, we always say, like, our church, really to understand it, you really only have to understand about three things. The first one is we have one mission, multiply disciples and churches. Then how do we do that? We have two core rhythms. We gather on Sunday morning, so that's your typical Sunday morning. Preach God's Word, uh, take communion, gather the saints, uh, and then we scatter so throughout the week. So how do we actually live as a church outside of Sunday mornings? We say we gather on Sunday, 
gather into city groups that live on mission uh, to different neighborhoods and networks. And so you kind of see two primary discipleship spaces, Sunday and groups. And then our four core values are uh, the gospel, which is a down arrow, uh, up, which is spiritual formation, in arrow is community or family, and the out arrow is uh, mission, the mission of God that compels us out. So uh, that's, that's kind of, we got one, one mission, two rhythms, four core values. A lot of this stuff is the same across churches across America, but I would say the one core value that we really champion is that. The gospel isn't just like the first of the four core values. It's it's the thing that gives light and energy and power to the other three core values. So um, you take the gospel out of that equation, that down arrow that Jesus came from heaven to seek and save the lost, and you pursuing God just becomes religious religious effort and energy. You know, the family comes to spiritual country club where you're just finding people to hang out with and find nice spiritual friends. And mission really becomes like social justice where you're just trying to save the world just to do good things. But the gospel changes and impacts how and why uh, we do that. It impacts the motivation that we have for that and the aim that we have in it. So we labor hard to make sure people get gospel before they get mission because Mm -hmm. um, at our churches, we want people to really, 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 really be fueled by the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, uh, I think we all want that in all of our churches to be Christ-centered and people to have a really big view of what God's done for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Making my heart beat fast talk that way, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, what I appreciate about you guys, Chris, is core values aren't on a sheet of paper stuck in a drawer somewhere or just on a website somewhere. You are obviously living them out, and uh, I, I really uh, yeah. think that's great. So in your as you carry out this strategy of multiplication— does city like multi-site or plant daughter churches or both kind of explain the rationale of your strategy in that? Yeah, Terry, we're a little bit of a hot mess. So, um, I mean, the, <laughs> you guys our, are only 28 we, and 29. Right, you yeah, can't so be we a do hot everything mess. and anything. Yeah. <laughs> multi-site, multi-service, new churches, all of it. So it's a little bit confusing even for people around here. They're like, oh, you're at a city light thing. They might just assume it's a campus. So, our primary lead foot has been church planting. And so for the first five years, we planted four autonomous churches that were just coming out of our church. We were super excited to plant those local churches. Now, they took the City Light name. So um, the first one was City Light Benson and then City Light Council Bluffs and City Light Lincoln. So that actually helped accelerate some shared values. And in our region, when people heard the name City Light, they thought of a joyful bunch. They thought of a biblical a biblical-centered bunch. They thought of a Christ-centered family. So there was just—it it just was—it was to an advantage for them to take the family name. And uh, those are local autonomous churches, though, with their own elders, own preaching team, own budget. They're not a campus. They—you know, you walk into them, and I have, I have no power and authority over them. They're just local churches doing their thing. We're relationally tied together, and we can talk about that later. Then we hit five years into this, our primary location in the center of Omaha, which is next to campuses and kind of in the heart of the city, we realized that a lot of people from the suburbs were coming into our church, and that was actually making it harder to contextualize uh, to be in the heart of the city. So we thought for the sake of mission, uh, let's launch a new gathering location kind of in the suburbs of our city in the west location, west end. For our heart behind that was two things. Number one, uh, we wanted the people in the middle of our city to actually feel like when they show up, that this this isn't this is a place for the people in the neighborhood, and this isn't just a place where other people are driving in to hear a good sermon. 
So we wanted to get better at reaching the heart of the city, and we thought one of the ways we could do that is actually allow kind of some folks to, to, to move on to a new location. Additionally, we thought people in the suburbs are driving in, but their lost neighbors aren't. Um, mature Christians who like good sermons are moving in, but your lost neighbors not driving to a certain type part of the city. Yeah. Um, they're not willing to go that far. So we went multi-site uh, in 2000, I think, 17, and um, that was that was a big step for us. We never thought we would do that. Um, we now are one church that gathers in two locations, and we work really hard to try to keep that family unified. And Gavin and I rotate preaching, so we don't do the screens. We uh, we kind of said we're gonna we're gonna figure out what it takes to go with people, and so that's what we've done. Love it. But uh, it's kind of dicey, so it's a little confusing to people in our region. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I'm part of City Light Omaha, but they're like, no, there's one in Benson. Is that your church? Not well, kind of. I know those guys, but I'm not really their past. You know, so it just is all funny. We do pretty much anything we can that's mutually effective. <laughs> we'll say that. That's really cool, man. I appreciate you trying to address those things intentionally and recognize you need different strategies for different contexts. Uh, a lot of people don't like to wade into yep. the mess, so I appreciate you being willing to do that. Along the way, have any of your churches been you know, revitalizing existing ones, or are they all new churches right from the get-go? Yeah, we focused on um, new autonomous church plants. The way, so that's been our primary thing: taking real leaders, raising them up, sending them out with a core team of people and resources. With a, once they have a clear mission and location, launching them. And you know, revitalization, as you understand, you've got to earn trust with people before they're going to invite you into that. And so, in so many ways, I I think. You know, people around here, you know, pastors, we're, we're still getting to know, and we were. And so we actually just had our first kind of revitalization into autonomous church plant happen in Kansas City, so, or in uh, Council Bluffs. So in Council Bluffs, we planted a new church over there. So out of City Light Omaha, we went 30 miles into Iowa. Some incredible pastors uh, took over there, planted this church. It got healthy. And then they got a, a call from a church in southwest Iowa in Emerson said, hey, We've been watching your story, what you did in Council Bluffs. We really, 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 really love it. We love the DNA. We love the way you're reaching the next generation. It's healthy. It's beautiful. We want in. We're kind of we're kind of plateau and dying. We need help. So they went over there, figured it out, uh, figured out how the partnership would work. And it was it was maybe less about revitalization. The healthy thing was about that that church in Emerson, Iowa, was they were really ready to um, die to have rebirth. And they were humble enough to say, here's kind of where we are. We realize maybe the best thing we can do is just surrender to the Lord, whatever that next season is. And so it came under City Light Council Bluffs, signed over the building, the whole thing, uh, walked through the process, and as the pastors left on them. So now here's what happened. It was really a cool story. City Light Council Bluffs um, helps retrain some leaders, uh, gets sees it gets healthy. It becomes City Light Southwest Iowa, which is crazy for me to say things that you never thought you would say as a founding church planner in Omaha, Nebraska, (laughs) is that there's a city light in southwest Iowa and a rural city named Emerson. So a very small community. But after a few months, uh, after a season, this church got healthy. City Light Council Bluffs then launched them out, not as a campus, launched them out as an autonomous church. So now they're healthy, have solid leadership, have a balanced budget, have their first baptisms in years, wow. have new city groups that are living on mission, and they're their own autonomous church. It's like, it gives my heart just great joy to know 
you know, we're not revitalizing to keep people and keep resources under us. They literally did all that work and then sent them out. So That's pretty fantastic. fun. Pretty fun I to love to hear that. The kingdom impact there. So you got all this uh, network of churches, 10 churches, sites, uh, all on the same. How do you keep them all on the same yeah. page in terms of mission and values and strategy? Or do you yeah. try to keep them on the same page and all of those things? Yeah, I mean, there's like uh, two things. Yeah, that's a great question because you suddenly look up and it's like you got kids in different states and they've got your name, the city like name, and they're trying to do the thing. And so, how do you? What is the thing that keeps you together? So, to become a city like church, if you're planting, you don't have to plant and take our name or commit to be a part of the city like family. If you come out of one of our churches. You know, the four core distinctives that we are, as we say, we're going to be gospel-centered in everything that we do. So Sunday mornings and city groups and how we care about the poor and how we look at missions. It's just got to be Jesus every Sunday from every text and in every environment of our church. So from kids to students, it's got to be centered on Jesus. Yes. So that's number one, gospel-centered. Number two, we're going to gather and scatter. So if you're going to be a part of the City Life family, there have to be simple discipleship structures. Third thing, there's team leadership. So... Gavin and I co-lead City Light Omaha. We uh, are in a plurality of elders. We have team leadership at really every level, even in groups. We don't have a solo leader even in a group. We kind of have a team of leaders in groups. So we want team leadership throughout our church. And then the final thing is there has to be a commitment to church planting. And so um, we're going to plant new autonomous churches. And there has to be kind of a commitment from the beginning that um, you're not planting to just survive. Like you said, we're planting to multiply right away. So anyways, that's the way you keep, you keep the values together. And then we have annual rhythms. Like today we have once a month, we get all of the city light churches and all of their staff in one room. And we tell stories and we pray and we sing, and we eat, and we celebrate. It's like a family reunion. And then we have, like, you know, the shared text thread and emails and once a year, uh, all pastors from all the church, we, you know, we go to general council with the CMA we meet up there. We rent a couple houses and we hang out. So those relationships and that that uh, that kind of brotherhood and that we're not in this alone. Uh, we've got to have rhythms throughout the year to make those relationships continue. So um, and then we have to have clarity on what what is unique about being a part of a city like family, you know. And so uh, we're part of the the CMA and 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 we we're we're excited about that tribe, but we also kind of have this weird little distinctive thing inside of it. I love to hear this stuff. So, you know, I keep talking about leaders. You've got an equipping culture, it sounds like, for sure. So tell us about how you guys equip, uh, identify and equip leaders. Yeah, I mean, uh, man, isn't it hard to answer that question? Because, like, the kind of leader you're looking for to, like, lead a city group versus a church planning resident and somebody to volunteer your kids' ministry or so so uniquely hard, you know? So I'll, I'll just say, like, a, a larger framework that I'm looking for is, like, what I call kind of my C equation. So you guys know the Bible, whenever it talks about leadership, starts with qualifications of character, right? So must not be a drunkard, quick-tempered, um, must be a husband of but well wife. Like, you start looking at um, not a lot of money. You just start going through Scripture and just, okay, it seems like character is kind of a big deal. <laughs> can we just say that? Yeah. Like, I think it is. I think you're right. Deal. Yeah, can we, just, can we just acknowledge that who they are as a human being kind of matters, that they have a real love for Jesus, their character reflects, you know, Christ-likeness. So, so we say, I will, I will not cheat character. Uh, and then number two, chemistry. Do they have chemistry with the team? Do we like them? Do they like us? So that's kind of chemistry and culture fit. 
And then competencies is another one. We're looking for specific competencies, but those are very, very, they're very different based on the level of a person's leadership within our organization or church. And the last one is calling. Do they have a strong sense of calling to King Jesus and serve in the local church and build the body of Christ? So those are, man, if you go through a phase of interviews and I'm looking for somebody, if you don't pass the culture test or the the culture, you know, the character or the culture test, that's usually the two big ones that that we're we're really looking at deeply. And then, you know, we always say if we're going to cheat one, we're going to cheat competencies because competencies can oftentimes be developed. So if a guy can't preach or if a guy doesn't know how to really lead in a mid-sized community, we want to help develop those skills. But we've found that we can find people, we can develop their skill set faster than we can re-architect somebody's character. We don't want to cheat those, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and I know you mentioned, you know, how (laughs) depending on the kind of leaders you're looking for, depends on how, you know, the approach you're taking. How do you help? not the pastors, but other ministry leaders equip people uh, in their ministry so that you're actually developing and, and that kind of sending momentum, equipping momentum is, is throughout your whole church. The first one is like, I know this is really basic, but we pray. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse uh-huh. 2, we have all of our phones. You know, Jesus says, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And what does he say there? You know, it's like right. he doesn't say start a cool blog or start this thing that's going to attract leaders. Just pray earnestly unto the Lord who serves out the laborers into the harvest field. So across our entire movement, if you're at lunch with me or you know extended breakfast, 1002, my phone's vibrating, and we stop whatever we're doing. We're praying, asking God to send laborers. I know that sounds kind of like antiquated or old school, but man, not like, at all. We just continue to believe. Yeah, so that's just the strategy. We pray hard, and we think whatever we pray for, we look for. And so whatever we look for, we kind of, God gives us eyes to see those people. And then uh, whatever we look for, we invite in. So we're, I'm super intentional about giving invitations early, not late. I think sometimes, you know, some of my greatest invitations into leadership probably happened a little too early. But I was so thankful that somebody invited me to the table and maybe gave me an invitation I, I didn't deserve and wasn't ready for. It was, a, it was a really picture of grace. I would say one of my burdens is some of the guys that we invite in, like we're inviting in at it may be an appropriate level of leadership, but we are inviting them into something. Sometimes I think maybe some pastors might be tempted to do is try to keep control, uh, try to keep things polished, and try to think, I've got to have it all figured out before I invite somebody in. I'm just telling you right now, man, like, we don't have the PDF. We don't have it all figured out. We give people access to us, uh, access to the culture, access to kind of the ministry environment. We give them uh, real reps. But those real reps are oftentimes guarded with really heavy feedback on the front end. But I would just say, you got to pray for it. You got to invite real people. Come follow me as I follow Christ. And then you, you've got to kind of, you got to basically say, here's what I have to offer. I have a relationship and I'm going to develop you as we go. There's so many insecurities we have in leadership development that are really on us. And I just want to invite people in, even though I don't always know what I'm doing. I'm not the expert. But I just kind of invite people into the room and uh, let people preach weird sermons. And you just, you know, you just love on them and you just coach them on the front end and you care about them on the back end. And, you know, somehow the Lord has used that really basic strategy. So, yep. love it. Thank you. So, uh, Chris, wondering what, what do you find that people in this culture respond to? Do new churches have to be flashy, trendy, and hip 
to be effective in today's culture. I'm really asking because I want to know if I have to start wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> Come on. I mean, have mercy. I do feel like giving in the CMA would go up. I mean, I'm just going to say <laughs> right now. Um, or not. <laughs> uh, what a picture. Well, I mean, on Instagram, that could go big. Um, so, I mean, you guys know, I, <laughs> that is so funny. So at City Light Church, maybe uh, just so we, the way we've chose to do it is on Sunday morning, we keep the lights on. We don't turn lights down. There's not fog machines. There's not lasers. The lights turn up. They're literally on the whole time. We sing songs to Jesus. We open up our Bibles and our commitment to point people to Jesus throughout any text and anywhere on any Sunday. And then we close in prayer and we take communion to remember Jesus. And, um, I mean, it's just not really that flashy. I mean, I think this generation is hungry for something different than just entertainment and media and hype and polish. Um, I think this generation is really hungry for something that's real and truthful. And what the church has to offer is not the slickest Sunday morning service, but a family to belong to. Um, it, what the church has to offer this generation is a truth to believe in the midst of a chaotic you know, culture that is filled with lies that are poisoning people's relationships and their sense of identity of self. And so the church, the church has so much more, and we're ultimately called not to try to be the slickest, coolest, the most beautiful. One of my scriptures that really helps me with this is there was John the Baptist who is dressed like a fool in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and, you know, he's got camel skills on, uh, and he's got, he's eating grasshoppers. And I just picture this dude with just like a gnarly beard. It's not even like a clean, slick hipster beard, but not like, a good Dan I've Bull spent beard. too much time in this. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's out and I love what it said is that people were leaving the city. They were leaving Jerusalem to travel into the desert to literally, um, to hear the, the good news preached and to hear truth preached. Mm. And so that just tells me it doesn't matter where your church building is or how slick and how polished it is. People will leave comforts and conveniences behind when they're so hungry for truth. And so I would just say build your church on prayer, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and being a spiritual family and calling people to leverage their life. And I promise you, I would attend that church. Uh, and I think our generation is so much more excited about that church. You can't de-church the church and think that you're going to win people to Christ. And so um, allow the church to be a holy priesthood of believers that sing to King Jesus and um, understand that the Spirit will always use that kind of body to call people to Jesus, you know? Man, that's good. Uh, that is great stuff. So appreciate that. So. Yeah. I'm hearing from Terry, and I want to hear it from you. Uh, you guys have recently announced a big dream for the future. So tell us about that dream. So we realized, like, we're kind of, here's where we're at in our level of, we just started evaluating the City Light story. We felt like our prayer was, honestly, meant to, to really multiply disciples. We want to see people get saved. So we multiply disciples. We want to multiply leaders. We feel like anything that's healthy reproduces, and that also includes pastors. So on my scorecard is who are the real men that I'm developing to be pastors and elders in local churches. So we want to multiply disciples. We want to uh, multiply leaders. We want to multiply churches. And then finally, we feel like the final one is multiply movements. And so whatever God's done in this little area, um, you know, around Omaha, Nebraska, there's eight plus churches. And where I think we're going to plant three in the next year, just our local church here in Omaha. And so that's 
God has really done a great work here. We have churches about within a 60-mile radius, but we're starting to dream, like, what if the Lord did whatever he did in this little area in Fort Collins, Colorado, and what if he did it uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, and what if he did it in, you know, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Quad Cities, and Denver, and Colorado Springs? Like, what if, you know, we started to saturate this region with movement-like leading churches that would, would launch into those locations and not just think, you know, hey, how can we get to two, three, four hundred people? But we, they would basically be planting pregnant, is what we say. We want to yeah. we want to front load them with people and resources and pastors and um, church planning residents already, so that they have a clear clear way of how are we going to make disciples, reach our city, and then how are we going to try to to plant a church uh, within the next few years. So. So that's kind of where we're at. We're going to launch our first one this year. Uh, we planted actually Kansas City. Now we're going to plant Fort Collins, and we're sending out two of our best leaders. We're going to—they had a vision trip in Fort Collins just for anybody interested from Omaha and Lincoln. They had over a hundred people there, hundred people, and we're like months away. And uh, they've already got local city groups, groups that are making disciples out there. So we're so excited about that. You know, the way we find those locations are. We're looking for college campuses because we think college campuses are a pipeline to reach the next generation. And so uh, we want to get after students in the next generation. And then number two, to identify some of those 10 big cities that we're really running after, we're just looking at population growth. Like where is the, the, um, the growth of the city outpacing the growth of the local church? And we just know that new people in new cities are the most likely candidates to plug into a new church plant. So existing churches don't always capture that energy, but so for some reason, new church plants seem to. And so um, we just think it's strategic to run after that. So we're, that's how we found these kind of 10 cities, kind of all throughout the Midwest. Again, you'd say, why just the Midwest? And we would say, no, we don't know if we're positioned to reach New York City or to reach L.A., but we do seem to understand the context of the Midwest. And so this is our Jerusalem, Judea. And so we're going to run hard after this and uh, try to saturate this region with uh, 10 new gospel center churches that will kind of hopefully plant an, their own churches. So that's kind of where we're at, man. We're going to keep planting churches locally and uh, keep sending our best in right away. So. Love it. Fantastic. Love it. Well, thanks, Chris, for what you're doing and what the City Light team is doing. We're applauding. We're praying. We're praising the Lord. And so uh, keep keep planting and keep multiplying. And... Uh, we just uh, pray God's richest blessing over you. Thanks for taking some time to, to spend with us today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Awesome. Hey, hey, Jerry, want to give a quick shout out to you guys and just know, man, it's been a blessing to be a part of the CMA. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, part of the story that doesn't always be told is uh, we were praying for a building. The CMA heard about us when we were, you know, 60 people in the living room praying, and uh, we had more people and no money. And, uh, at that point, man, every dollar was a big dollar, and the regional guys heard about this little group of people praying. It was like, hey, we want to give you $100,000 to buy that building that you have your eye on. And uh, it, it was a huge blessing, a huge wave of faith for our people, and really jump-started whatever God was going to do here. So uh, throughout the whole time, I just want to say thank you, Gary, the City Life family, you know, the, the CMA family, for putting resources and momentum and prayer and real dollars behind 
church planners like us, because it just matters. Like, you know, I think the Lord would have done something, but did did your guys' investment and in prayer and coaching help us go further faster? Absolutely. So just going to say that, and no church planner gets where they are alone. Uh, it takes a family, it takes a tribe, it's taking real people laying hands on us. So just want to always, always, always show honor. Um, we're not the cool kids that did it alone. Um, we're not the young brothers that are figuring it all new ways, man. We're stealing from God that was before us, and uh, we're, we want to be committed to humbly honoring uh, the investment that you guys have made. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Terry, and the larger CMA family uh, for uh, breathing life on this thing. Well, it's our privilege, and we're glad you're part of the family, man. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank Thanks, you, sir. guys. All right. Yep. See you on. Have a good night. Bye. God bless. Well, a great interview with Chris and so pleased uh, with what he shared in terms of just presenting the simple gospel of Jesus Christ and people's lives are being changed and churches are being planted. Wonderful thing. They talked about this dream starting kind of in a conversation at Jimmy, Jimmy John's. John's. Does that I ring know, a bell it with does you, ring Alan? a bell. Man, you and I's first conversation with uh, John Stokel at First Alliance in Harrisburg was about planting, cooperating to plant a church in inner city Harrisburg took place at Jimmy John's. Who knew yeah. that Jimmy John's was so important to church planting? So everybody go to Jimmy John's, have lunch and talk. That's right. If you want to grow in multiplication, go to Jimmy John's. And remember, you don't have to wear skinny jeans to church plant. Very important. Very important. Hey, thanks for listening today. Let everybody know about Equipping You Podcast. Join us next time. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You Podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.